Hello and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast, episode 207. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here as always with my forever co-host, editor-in-chief of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. Hey James, what's going on? Hey, uh, other than being totally immersed in God of War, not much. <laughs> oh man, that, that sounds really fun. I'm, I'm over yeah. here in a lack of a PlayStation 4 land as, I, oh. as I've decided to make my niche <laughs> the person... <laughs> yeah. That doesn't have a PlayStation 4, because apparently that is a pretty small niche that uh, can cater to certain people online. Uh, that game sounds amazing. It looks amazing. It's it's incredible. It's like, um, this is such a bad analogy, but it's like PlayStation 4's Breath of the Wild. It's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> That incredible. is a bad analogy. <laughs> For this show, though, I, I think it's on, it's on, uh, it's on brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right considering breath of the wild is like the yardstick we use to measure everything um i now don't feel so sorry for my my playstation 4 writing friends it makes sense so. though it, it, it takes a game series that was kind of pathway focused and turns it into an open field focus and there's a lot yeah. of camping-esque times in the game that makes sense <laughs> speaking of camping um diversion from our usual show i don't have anywhere that i would put this so i'm just gonna say here in the introduction something that's really important to me that i don't i don't know if you would be familiar with this um the american boy scouts organization um of which i was part of for quite a long time i i was an eagle scout um the boy scouts are now letting in girls this is new. This is a, a new thing. I'm so excited for this. This is going to be amazing for so many little kids. I, I know this is a video game uh, <laughs> podcast. Not really. Uh, this is not on brand. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've, had a, I, I've had a complex uh, set of feelings about the, the Boy Scouts of America organization for a while now and, and this is just this is just fantastic we also have had girl scouts as uh as an organization that also exists in america but that is a different organization with a different set of skills and requirements to proceed and and, and stuff like that now mm. um both young boys and girls can join into uh, the organization which is it was called boy scouts of america now it is called scouts bsa I know you didn't ask for any of that information, James, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Well, you know what? It's a good way to start because, like, without being too dismissive, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, it's good to remember that good things can still happen. <laughs> Outside the world of video games, good things can still happen. So, Well, even that's, inside that's the nice world of video games this week, I think we have quite a good selection of, of things to talk about, some happy things. Uh, we're we're yeah. going to talk about the, the games we've been playing, of which I think we can talk about some, some good, good games we've been playing. Uh, yep. Our newsy nibble this week is going to be about a an absolute miracle of funding that uh, just... <laughs> makes me feel all warm inside when I whenever I think about it. And finally, we're going to talk about E3, which is one of the most exciting, happiest weeks of the year. Uh, but Definitely. first, we're going to get into the Playtime Report. The Playtime Report is where we talk about what we've been playing since the last episode of the Super Jump podcast, which for this week what was uh, three full weeks ago is when we last recorded. Can you believe that time? It's crazy. It's, yeah. 
James, what you been playing? Well, you just you, well, you you did say you were playing God of War, so <laughs> I, how's that? Yeah, and, and and it's kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the room because I had I think the last playtime report I had a few games on there that I was kind of working my way through bit by bit, um, but once I started playing God of War, that was it. I've I've played little bits and pieces of other things, but God of War has taken up all of my gaming time i still haven't finished it i'm not really sure exactly how far in i am but it definitely seems to be a big game um bigger than i thought just in terms of the amount of stuff to do and kind of the the length of the main i guess story or campaign um and what can i say it's it's every bit as good as everybody says it is um, I'm, if I see anyone online now doubting how good God of War is, I doubt their motivations. <laughs> I start, you doubt their I'm motivations. Like, what I a doubt their motivations. to say I'll... that you just don't like them as a person. <laughs> I doubt their motivations. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I become immediately suspicious. I'm like, well, okay, you either haven't played it or you're being deliberately contrarian. Either way, what, were you paid no off by you... big Microsoft for that opinion? Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's like, there's no way you can't not like this game. It's, uh, it's just, it gets so many things so right. And it is, it, it, maybe it sounds, um, sort of, uh, I don't know, boring to say this, but it's, it's so insanely well polished that, I would struggle to find any other video game I've played that is as polished as God of War, given, especially given all of the complex things that it's doing, um, you know, particularly with kind of all of the interactions between Kratos and his son Atreus. Um, there's this kind of uh, almost awareness of the AI about everything that's happening moment to moment in the game and the way that the AI reacts to all of these different circumstances is so natural and it kind of never misses a beat. Even little things like um, when you go out on the boat with Atreus, one of the things that happens is Atreus will ask Kratos to tell him a story to pass the time which even itself is clever because the sailing doesn't take ages, but you know, you might be out there on the water for a while and not much is happening. Yeah. <clears throat> so Atreus asks his dad to tell him a story. And if you happen to dock in the middle of one of Kratos's sentences, he will just completely seamlessly pause and say, he'll say something like, um, but you know, we'll save that for later. We'll save that for next time. Now we've got more important things to do. And sure enough, you'll get on the boat 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, and he'll just naturally kind of go back into that story he was telling. Oh man, I Or love Atreus that. Will, will prompt him and say, you know, oh, can you keep going with that story? Um, it's really remarkable. Um, so I'm, I'm loving it. I'd be, I, I think at the moment, I know it's still really early in the year, but I, I struggle to see other games that are going to sort of beat this for game of the year. And, and I know we've got some big, big 
heavy hitters coming out later in the year. We do, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, this game is really something else. I was so ready for everyone to say how annoying Atreus is. And yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't seem to be the story that came out of it. They They managed to make a sidekick character who fights with you in battles not annoying which is an absolute achievement yeah and i mean he's 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 not only he not only doesn't get in your way during combat i mean he's actually a a great benefit in combat but during the quieter moments when the two characters are talking he's not like an annoying he's not like an annoying little kid that's constantly asking questions because he he has certain knowledge that Kratos really doesn't have. They each kind of have their own strengths. And so Atreus is often in the position of almost tutoring Kratos, especially about kind of Nordic legend and Nordic gods. And he he has particular knowledge in that area that actually physically helps you progress through the game, but that also kind of fills in the plot as you go. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I uh, when when I think of a sidekick type character that follows you you around like that, my mind goes to Bioshock and Infinite with uh, yeah. Elizabeth is her name I think, mm-hmm. who is who is the worst. She is not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a fun chick to have around. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that this game seems to be better in that way and i haven't been able to get a straight answer on this is this an open world game like the way breath of the wild or skyrim is an open world game no 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 it's not it's um is it like how ocarina of... of time is an open world game yeah it's it's probably a bit more like that except that the the environments are obviously larger mm-hmm. but it's I wouldn't really call it like a seamless open world game because it does have sort of a general concept of a of a hub world and you can sort of travel to different locations, uh, which in itself is quite well implemented considering the whole one camera shot deal. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, it, it's not quite open world in the same way as Breath of the Wild or Skyrim, but it's definitely a game where the world is quite large. You don't have to follow the main campaign the whole time. There are lots of opportunities to kind of backtrack and to discover hidden locations and that sort of thing. So James, I played because it's been such a long time. I I think I have a record. I have six different games Mm -hmm. I can talk about here. Um, Yeah. yeah, You're (laughs) not, not don't normally um, play this many games all at once. No, I don't. Um, And I, I honestly can't even remember if I talked about ReCore the last time you were on this show. I don't think you did because I'm looking at the show notes and I'm thinking, I'm really curious to know what you think of ReCore. Oh, okay. Um, It's rough. Uh, it, it's a <laughs> really rough game. I A lot of these games that I played were... Um, game pass games for for xbox so i i can't fault him too hard on like a is it worth it stance because Mm. um free with a ten dollar per month subscription is pretty good most things are going to be worth it yeah um and and the actual shooting and mechanical gameplay 
of this game are not full. I, I, I don't feel like this was like looked at enough. The, yeah. the the way to play is you lock onto an enemy and it's really easy to lock on as soon as you put like your gun up you're in automatic lock on mode whatever you're face, facing most directly at you are locked onto them and you just hold the shoot button and there there's a few things that make that more difficult than just holding the shoot button and then not getting hit by their stuff which is that uh, you can match the color of your blaster to their color and and all of the enemies in this game are robots of a certain glowy color um mm. so if they they glow and this is by the way like it, it's a it's a third person action adventure kind of thing so so it's like over the shoulder camera style yeah. if it's a blue robot just turn your blaster to blue and you'll do way more damage on it and there's one more thing which is that you can't just hold the blaster the whole time if you continue to hold it It'll, it'll still do a rapid fire, but the accuracy will get worse the longer you hold it. So you need to do, like, spurts for the most efficient shooting. And it does not get more complicated than that the whole time. Um, yeah. There is There was a trailer in E3 15 or 16 that had Jewel, who is the main character of this game, the, the one you control, go into a cave with her robot dog, Mac, and fight a bunch of robots, and then Mac gets wrecked um but the the actual thing that is mac is this spherical computer thing they call it a core as in recore um that you can take out of mac's frame and put it in a different frame to solve different puzzles and and to have different combat abilities so it went from Mm -hmm. it being a dog and then the dog got wrecked to being this gorilla thing um and that is not how it works in the game. That is barely something that exists in the game. That is the the amount that that is manipulative and, and tricky is is a little hard to swallow. I think the game mm. is not like crazy bad on its own design merits outside of that, but like it's clearly not the thing that it said it was in that regard. Um and also I got softlock like at least once an hour. Yeah. I got I could not move forward. I had to restart my Xbox oh, once wow. an hour while playing this game. Jeez. And I did end up uh, finishing it. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I felt compelled to finish it. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, I only played... I, I think... Because um, I played it ages ago when I first got an Xbox One. And I... Uh, maybe I played three hours two or three hours and i just i just got too bored of it and moved on yeah i i I wish there was something in it that would make that opinion wrong because Mm. i love a lot of things about this game despite the way i'm talking about it despite the fact that i know i'm I'm, i sound pretty down on it um the way you do work with your robot companion it's not like it is in the trailer but it is kind of cool like there's a spider one you can have that um can can just climb up certain walls and that's really cool especially when all the walls are like in a parkour obstacle course setup that's Mm -hmm. very fun and there are a bunch of optional dungeons that you can go through there's a bunch of dungeons in this in this game um and, and some of those are fun 
and and there, there's a few more fun kind of robot companions in addition to that spider and the dog that i i was excited about and the story is actually interesting i like the story it's jewel is like an early colonizer of this planet everyone was supposed to be in cryo sleep um she woke up early or wait hang on no she didn't wake up early she woke up at the right the wrong the right time but the amount of ecology that was supposed to spring up on that planet while she was asleep didn't um i i think it was that like they were they were trying to what what is that word for that when you make a planet inhabitable um oh like when you terraform it or something yeah terraform uh they had like a, yeah. a set of machines set up to terraform this planet and mm-hmm. the way she ends up talking about this this idea and the way that the story resolves itself i i liked a lot actually it just didn't yeah. uh just certain aspects of that game didn't do other aspects of that game any favors thankfully the game i played right after that was rise of the tomb raider i needed this <laughs> i needed this game um this is a great game this is a really good game it looks beautiful and the gameplay while i don't know if it's doing anything especially special or unique it just does it well like it just does yeah. it enough and well enough <laughs> uh yeah yeah especially with most of the games i've been playing on on xbox game pass and i'm sure microsoft does not want this perception to be what people are feeling but like sea of thieves is kind of broken still it was very broken when it first launched um and but and it still got some problems and then super lucky's tale was like not it was undercooked and then recore was broken and i was just Mm. i was beginning to set up this mental association between the xbox one and broken games and that is that's not something they want for their brand for their new (laughs) exciting game pass initiative but then i played rise of the tomb raider also on game pass for free and you know what that game is rock solid uh (laughs) just a fun time being laura croft laura croft uh however you say is it laura Lara, yeah, I Lara. think. Yeah. Without not Laura, Laura. Laura, Laura is her non-union equivalent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the uh, the Costco brand, <laughs> the stunt double. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just just being Lara Croft, raiding some tombs. Uh, that's fun, and you can get ready for the uh, the sequel. There's a Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is announced to come mm. in September, I believe, uh, and that yeah. is the direct sequel to this one. So, speaking of great games, though. I want to talk about this other game that you played that is, yeah. in my opinion, one of, one of the greats. It's, just, it's right up there. <laughs> yeah. And and I have a weird, slightly weird history with it too. Um, I, I actually only just picked it up yesterday. I got um, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for Switch. Nice. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it's uh, and I'm, I've probably said this before, but it's it's a game that I was definitely familiar with, and I I'd played little bits of it when I'd gone to to visit my siblings because they are obsessed with it. Like they've played it through multiple times, and you know if they've got nothing to do on a Saturday night, they'll they'll get some drinks and they'll play Donkey Kong like it's and they actually 
were harassing me for a long time to buy it and why wasn't I buying it? And I'm an idiot for not buying it. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but to be honest, like the thing that kind of stopped me was, um, because it was only available until now for Wii U, I I was a bit reluctant to buy another Wii U game at this point. I thought I'll wait and see, hopefully it comes out on switch and lo and behold, it came out on switch. Uh, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. I started playing it last night. Um, I had some friends over, so I was playing co-op. And uh, I, I think I'm up to... I'm about halfway through the second world at the moment. Um, I just got to the level where you're chased by the giant hacksaw, which oh, is great. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what can I say? I mean, it's uh, I, I'm loving it. It's... Um, the visuals are still incredible. Like, yeah, it doesn't um, look it, it's at gone all like a game that's dated. Well, I believe it, it's um, it, it, the visuals have actually improved. In on the Wii, it was or sorry, the Wii U, it was 720, and now it is 1080 at 1080. 60 frames oh, per second. Yeah. Okay, um, I see. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's um, I remember when we started the show, and <laughs> I, I we were doing a few episodes. <laughs> about breath of the wild which is of course we were and just talking about maybe the artistic merits of this game and whatever and and i i felt like we were being very professional and then all of a sudden Mm. tropical freeze was brought up and i was like dude you gotta play it man tropical freeze (laughs) that game's what's up uh it it elicits some some reaction from me that is is you're it's it's irregular for a video game, honestly. <laughs> it's just a very cool video game. It the, really is. Yeah, the way the it's... level design like intertwines yeah. with the set pieces is mm. unlike anything that I've ever seen before. Yeah. yeah. It's I read something um I forget which publication it was, but it was a review of the Switch version and they they said something like, you know, when you play this you kind of realize you're playing a game made by a studio that has absolutely mastered 2D platforming game design. Yeah, and it's only um, their second one. Yeah, is, you. It, yeah. it's just, um, it, it's incredible. So I'm really looking forward to, between this and God of War, I'm, I'm pretty set for a while, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited for whatever Retro does next. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a, a, a few more things to talk about that I've been playing that I just want to go through really quickly um, yep. without getting too into it. Uh, I, I played Kamiko, which has kind of been staring at me on the Switch eShop for mm-hmm. forever because it's $5 and it seems like one of those games that shouldn't be $5. It definitely seems like, at least from what you can tell if you look at it from the eShop, hey, this is maybe like a full game. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else in the eShop is way overpriced. Um, and, and, and I played it, and I gotta say, I understand why it's $5, but at the same time, uh, I played it on a plane ride. And it yeah. was just, it was exactly what I needed for that plane ride. It was, it was really great. Um, just really short, um, dungeons. I think it's about five dungeons yeah. that, uh, did you play this? I did. I feel exactly the same way. It's actually perfect for a plane ride, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it happened to 
just last me from beginning to end of the game, the full plane ride, plane ride, yeah. and and I felt like that was exactly what five dollars is for. That also could have been like a magazine at the uh, airport, and I probably mm-hmm. got a little more enjoyment out of Kamiko than I would have a magazine. Yeah. But it, the uh, the gameplay is I if you've played Four Swords, the the Zelda GBA co-op mm-hmm. game. Uh, I think it's a lot like that. It, it's step on this panel so you can unlock this door. So you can step on this panel so you can unlock this door. Eventually, you'll you'll just do all of the the sequence of stuff and and fight some enemies in between that will unlock the end of the level. Uh, and you do that five times and you're done. And it's meant to be played like again and again and again, over and over again. I don't know if I would recommend it uh, just because five dollars can be put toward a lot of things on the Switch eShop right now that. I think would deserve it a bit more, but mm. all in all, it, it was it was fun, positive experience. Uh, also, Steamroll Dig, which uh, I'm I'm probably gonna get lambasted over this, James. I didn't dig. You didn't dig. I didn't dig Steamroll Dig. I uh, <laughs> I it, I felt that it was very repetitive. Just yeah, I understand the appeal. I think. Because I, I know there are people that like that, like, just getting into the zen of a loop like that. Uh, yeah. Not for me, I, I, I think. It, it's not for me. And I, I've heard that SteamWorld Dig 2 is not randomly generated. So that could potentially be more interesting to me. Um, how it, it, it wouldn't uh, give me just a random mine layout to go through that might make it feel more puzzly which i'd be excited about but i yeah, have not i only it. played the sequel i never played the original um the sequel's pretty good um it it's from memory it's not uh from memory the dungeons aren't random they are kind of designed and structured which which does make it kind of feel like you're you know you're venturing out each day from the main town and you're kind of going on a different adventure each day and um i mean i enjoyed it i it it's not i'm not really crazy about it i know it's got some really big fans yeah. um i thought it was okay yeah a lot of people really love that one mm. i'm i'm willing to give two a shot i wasn't so put off that like i i i hated it it's just uh that kind of repetition is is not what i look for in a game these days uh not anymore uh yeah. I, I know that that randomly generated rogue roguelike-esque even though it is not a roguelike at all um roguelike feeling kind of game is very popular with a younger generation of gamers right now um yeah it makes me feel old <laughs> that i i don't get it <laughs> you know yeah, I, I've, i'm the same it makes me feel old i like my levels designed damn it yeah <laughs> and, and and sometimes it can be done incredibly well uh spelunky mm. is fantastic uh yeah. spelunky is is just built around there, there's a surprising amount of design in there for it still being random uh, yeah and then two two more games i want to talk about really quick to round out playtime report um i played saturday morning rpg uh full discretion it was uh a code was given to me for Saturday Morning RPG by Limited Run Games for review. And I did review it for Super Jump uh, Magazine. You can go 
to superjumpmagazine.com and read my review of Saturday Morning RPG there right now. Until then, it's a fun game. It will take you less than 10 hours to beat. I know a lot of people are looking for that kind of thing right now, especially in an RPG, which is usually a lot longer. Um, Mm. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to light the world on fire, but it can light your house on fire. That doesn't sound great. Um, <laughs> it can light, light a small afternoon of yours on, on a, a brisk heat uh, for a short <laughs> amount of time. Uh, and then finally, I I, uh, I experimented. I don't think I can say I played. I, I experimented mm. with the Variety Kit 1, Toy-Con 1, Nintendo Labo set kit. Something like that. Um, I made all the stuff and I played with all of the stuff at least a little bit each. Um, I made the, I made the RC car, James. I made the fishing pole. I made the house. I made the motorcycle handle and I made the piano. Yeah. So I'm just saying I'm like pretty smart. (laughs) You did them all by yourself. I did them all by myself with Nintendo helping me. Well done. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I uh, I'm I'm in the middle of writing a few things about Labo, uh, at least two separate articles. So so get excited about that, I guess. Um, but in, in the meantime, let me just say that some of these, well, yeah, exactly some of these are really impressive with what they can simulate uh, with mm. just cardboard and IR reflector stickers. It, it it's pretty amazing. The piano, especially James. There's so many moving parts in the piano. Each key yeah. has it, is its own idea. Uh, it, it, they they aren't just thirteen of the same keys that you need to fold in different ways. They all work differently. Um, mm-hmm. There are four different knobs that have different patterns of stickers on them that the IR camera can see and can turn your piano into uh, acoustic mode. Yeah. So it like plays the music by vibrating the Joy-Con at different frequencies. Um, oh, that's cool! Instead of making it come through the speaker of the switch, which is amazing, yeah, it, it turned it. It used the switch technology to make something start acoustic, just me tapping a piece of cardboard, and end acoustic. So that's essentially like beginning to end a cardboard intru- instrument. Uh, yeah. that's amazing. That's the I can't imagine how someone could like start building that. And I don't mean building like what I did. I mean building as an actual, <laughs> the actual construction of the idea. I don't know yeah. what comes first, the idea to make a piano or, or, or to, to build a tiny one out of like styrofoam or clay and then figuring out how you would make that out of paper. It's amazing. It's yeah. really mind-blowing. Um, if you're looking for an, like an actual compelling game to play with Labo, I don't think it's there yet. Um, I didn't mm. try out the robot kit, though. Maybe that's it. Uh, I, I heard that's a bit more in-depth than anything in the variety kit. But at the same time, um, it doesn't sound like that quite is there yet either. But it's not really yeah. for that. So, yeah, a bit of a weird situation there. Well, let's go into the Newsy Nibble. We've got some good news. Sometimes we have bad news, James. <laughs> this is this is pretty good news. This definitely. is pretty good news. Um, yeah, the Good Life pet project of 
famed video game developer Sweary, who you probably know from Deadly Premonition, if anything, uh, was just funded on Kickstarter. This was not a runaway success on Kickstarter like Mighty Number no. 9 or Shenmue 3 or Ukulele or any of those that just immediately got funded because they had big names behind them. Uh, despite having a big name behind this, it was it was in danger of not being funded like the whole month down to the last three days, I think. Uh, it, it was a nail-biter. And unfortunately, they did put out a stretch goal at the very end saying, hey, if we get to 88 million yen, uh, which is some amount of dollars, I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> we will make a Switch version of this game as well. It was already planned for PS4 and PC. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got up to 81 million yen, which was pretty far from where they were at when they said the stretch goal. Um, but it, it's it's depressingly close, right? It's less than a tenth of what they raised away, which in Kickstarter terms is is nothing. If, yeah. if they had another day, they would have made it. Um, still, huge victory. Uh, the the campaign didn't fit the usual criteria for a Kickstarter story um, b- b- because of how long it took to, to, to make. Usually they say if you don't get funded within the first five days on Kickstarter, you actually won't get funded. Yeah. 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 Um, and and this, this wasn't that. This was a, a funding within the last three days of its campaign. And it was over a month that it lasted. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I had... Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. No, I was just gonna say because I, um, you know, before we started recording, I, um, I was totally ignorant about this project. Um, and it, it's interesting the idea that they picked up all of this funding really close to the deadline. Mm-hmm. Did was there any like did you see any kind of um, big last minute promotion of this in the media or I'm just wondering where that came from because I would assume thinking about the creator and kind of his background as well, I would tend to assume that the people who funded this all the way through were people who were generally really familiar with his work, which probably wouldn't be a huge amount of people, I imagine. Um, right. At least those who sort of played a lot of his prior stuff. There was... Um, Swiri is comparable to someone like... Yakutaro, who did work on the Nier series, he, mm. he's an auteur. He's he's a a, a Japanese developer of, of these games, and he's a bit out there. Um, the people that know about him are very into him, and yeah, uh, w- within the game criticism scene, like like game reporters like us, he he is well known and he is appreciated a lot. So what I've seen a lot of within the last few days on Twitter is like Chris Kohler from uh, Kotaku, I think. He's from Kotaku, I'm pretty sure. And then Justin McElroy from Polygon and all these people that are that are from like IGN and GameSpot. They're coming out and saying, hey guys, it's messed up <laughs> where the good life is right now. It needs to get yeah. funded now. We, we've been talking a lot about the Kickstarter project. The game itself is is also super weird. Uh, it is described <laughs> as a mystery. Um, actually, no, you you saw it last. What what was it? A an action adventure debt repayment. A, yeah, day in the life debt simulator? repayment 
Yeah, a debt repayment daily life action adventure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's about a woman who uh, moves out of her well-paying but dead-end job uh, to live in the country where she moves into a small town with a murder mystery and I believe it, all of the people in the town turn into cats at night. So there's that too. <laughs> And I know what you're thinking. How did people see that this game was about people that turn into cats at night and then not immediately fund it? It's a great question. Um, It's a it's a really great question. (laughs) And if they can if if they can make so many Assassin's Creed games and Call of Duty games that are almost exactly the same, how did how did the good life only barely scrap it through? Uh, It's a question for the ages. We don't know. We'll never know. But it's I'm really happy to see that it got through. Uh, it, it it puts a big old smile on my face. I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of those like rare, po- really, really positive Kickstarter stories. Mm-hmm. This is cool. I'm just, just as we're talking about it, I'm having a look at the Kickstarter page and... Uh, and it turns out that the main character, Naomi, that you, that you play as... Um, that you can actually turn into a cat or a dog as well. Ooh, nice. Which is really cool. So it'd be interesting to see if that kind of... I'm imagining that sort of plays into the whole, you know, solving the murder mystery and I assume you get different abilities and that sort of thing. It look, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a... I don't like the term, it's a game for everyone, but just with the amount of different weird things that it does, I think it's a game for everyone. <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> that there's at least something in this game for any kind of gamer at all, which is which is interesting and nice. Um, yeah. But we're going to transition right now. We were a cat looking through a murder mystery at night, and now we're admiring a Curse the Cowardly Dog emblazoned thong at Hot Topic. <laughs> James, I'm not going to lie. I'm focused on how somewhat good that segue was. It's not good by, like, Ryan Seacrest standards, but for Mitchell Wolf standards, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I was silently clapping. <laughs> that's uh, that's <laughs> how most of my applause is that I get. Clapping in my mind. Yep. Yeah. It Someone's doing it, but they're not, you know, they're, they don't want to spook me with it. So yeah. <laughs> you're just doing Throw a real fight. game. Uh, we're going to play a bit of a game, and by game, I don't mean game, because games usually have winners and losers, and we're all winners today, James, because we're talking about pre-three predictions. We're talking about all of the uh, main players at this year's E3. We're talking about EA, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, uh, and, and others, and we're just going to submit a few little predictions, not anything uh complete we're, we're not going to say these are all of my predictions because i i think we could go pretty long if, if we uh really sat down and thought about it we're, we're just doing a little mouche bouche if you will a sampling of around the dinner table for uh for this year's <laughs> e3 i want to start with ea and i want to predict that they will once again not show anything i care about <laughs> okay next <laughs> That, that's that's probably too mean, but uh, I, I I think maybe we could see a Star Wars thing from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
they they did cancel Amy Hennig's uh, Star Wars action adventure single player game that I was very excited about. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it would be too early for another Battlefront. They're they're still in Battlefront Two phase, but something from Star Wars could happen. And of course, we're gonna see the FIFA and Madden and uh, all of the sports games that we usually see coming out of EA. Uh, as, as normal uh, last year we did get some exciting little stuff in, in the form of a way out um, mm-hmm. w- which was part of EA's indie outreach program and Faye or FIA F-E um, that was yeah. I believe part of the same program uh, j- just they were publishing smaller things for indie developers uh, those were cool and if we see more of those I, I, I'm uh, I'll, I'll eat my words about it not having anything I care about. That would definitely change my <laughs> mind. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm just really sour at them right now. <laughs> like just in a personal sort of way. I, I feel like what they've done to Star Wars is, is you know, one thing. But what they've done to, to games in general and the, the normalness that they've... They, they've made loot box seems loot boxes seem normal and that's not cool um although i think we might be on a turning point for that i think maybe ea is gonna come out and say this is okay this is my prediction for ea this is the real prediction ea is gonna come out and say hey you know what we're the good guys now none of these games are gonna have loot boxes and then they're gonna have like an asterisk next to it that says at launch or something like that but (laughs) I, i i think they know what the public opinion on on that is now and maybe they're going to try to weaponize it for their for their own purposes (laughs) yeah i i feel like um the one thing overall that i'm kind of interested to to see what happens with is this whole question of whatever new games they reveal or talk about in any depth um I'm, i'm interested to see whether or not we we get any changes with the whole loot box microtransaction deal um, or whether we just sort of see a, a doubling down on that. Um, right. I, it, there's a, there's a part of me that like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just continue on that course because it is so lucrative, but there's a part of me that sort of feels like they would be so utterly tone deaf if they didn't demonstrate some learning from the battlefront experience I think they were, I think they were quite burnt by that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, from from what I heard about their, um, like the conversations that were happening internally. Um, I know someone who is a, a fairly senior, uh, user experience person at EA, and and they definitely, um, it was definitely something that kind of caused massive ripples through the company um across the world so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there i mean there's probably no at this stage there's no specific games i'm looking forward to i'm hoping that as you said like with Faye, i'm hoping that we see a um something that's surprising you know something that they're funding as a publisher um you know that's a bit unexpected that would be cool i'd love to see more of that it would be Um, cool it would really be cool and uh it it would look good for ea which is why i think they did a way out in the beginning 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next is Ubisoft. Now, there's a couple things with Ubisoft. They have, like, Skull and Bones coming at, I think, the end of this year. So they have to talk about that. Um, but the things that I, I'm really wondering about Ubisoft is what they're ready to talk about right now. Because Ubisoft mm. is known for their leaks. Stuff leaks out of mm. Ubisoft like water through cheesecloth. It, it's just a real problem for them. Um, last year, Assassin's Creed Origins and Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle were both leaked well in advance with a ton of details and their full names and images and everything. Uh, and unless I'm like, my head's under a rock right now, I don't think that happened this year. Mm. So that yeah. would imply that maybe they're either getting in front of it with, with like, they, they had a recent stream where they talked about Beyond Good and Evil 2. Yeah. Um, and and they, they showed what that game's been up to. And that game looks really exciting. Um, but it also looks really far away. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, even though they did have it at their E3 last year, I still feel like it might be too far away now to come back this year for E3. Mm. Um, yeah. In, I mean, they they showed footage of it and it looked way too like early and rough uh, to have like a tr- in-game trailer or anything like that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's sort of. Um, I I saw the footage as well, and I sort of thought it's other than being excited for the fact that it's coming and that it's real. Um, it it's a little bit too early for me to get excited about it. It looks as though they're doing something pretty ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing for me is, you know, anytime a studio is doing something that ambitious and bringing together lots of different gameplay systems, um, I'm, I'm always interested to see ultimately how they execute it and how polished it is and how well all those systems work together. Um, so I tend to agree, like, if we see a little bit more at E3, that's great, but I think it's probably going to be, you know, next year where we'll where we'll see a lot more progress. Yeah. Last year's thing with beyond good and evil two was that it had an amazing cinematic trailer. It was, it's one of my yeah. favorite cinematic trailers, maybe of all time for a game. Yeah. Um, really, really fun, really cool. And this year, I mean, the, the thing that they said with that is, Hey, remember that thing that was canceled that was supposed to come out forever and maybe has been in development hell. Maybe it's been started over a couple times. We don't talk about it. Well, now we're talking about it. Guess what? It's real. We're on our way to it actually happening. And this time it looks like it has enough momentum behind it that the game mm. will finish. It will finish being made. Um, yeah. That is the exciting thing. And I think that's still where they are. I, I predict that they're still in that stage. And the next exciting thing to talk about will be maybe next year, maybe two years from now. Um, mm. Really far away from now. Um yeah. They're not at the stage where they have anything other than like, hey, it's happening. Um, unless they do, and that'd be awesome, but that is my prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing from Ubisoft is Assassin's Creed. What they're going to do with, with Assassin's Creed is kind of up in the air right now, right? Because they took a year in between um, Origins, which is the one that came out last year, and the one before, which I believe was Unity. Because mm-hmm. people did not like Unity, and... They took a break from the series and came back, and it people are saying that it paid off. 
uh, taking a break to reevaluate what they think about the Assassin's Creed series to, uh, you know, put some time behind development that it usually doesn't get. It, it worked out. Do you think they will do that again? Or is this an Assassin's Creed-less year? I hope so. You hope, <laughs> you hope to not get an <laughs> Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I hope to not get it. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I was never a huge fan of the series anyway. Um, I, I mean, I, I played... I think the first couple of games and enjoyed them and, but kind of dropped off the series. Um, but our, I did play origins and origins is really, really good. And you can really see that it benefited from that extra time in the oven. Um, it really, really did. So I just think the, the response to that was so positive that, just returning to kind of this annualized franchise, especially for something that is so big and and so ambitious each time just doesn't make sense. I'd rather like, I'd be happy for them to announce a new entry, maybe to talk about what the setting is, that sort of thing. But I, I definitely think they should take their time because it really paid off with origins. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see a new Assassin's Creed straight away. Maybe they, I, if I were in charge of the series, I would go back to the Chronicles idea where they had a bunch of smaller games in different cities all over the world that they were able to put out pretty fast. Um, I, I would think maybe that's the way to go about doing it. Um, and, and, and that would mean that it doesn't need to be a holiday game anymore. And that would yeah. help the annualization problem because it can just kind of, oh, there's an Assassin's Creed. It's just happening right now. It's March. <laughs> Who knew? Um, the way it is right now, th- this is a weird year for Ubisoft because if it's not Beyond Good and Evil 2, if it's not Michelle and Cell at all because he's really focused on Beyond Good and Evil 2, if it's not Assassin's Creed, Mario and Rabbids came out because, and that team is probably recharging for the next thing. Um, Skull and Bones might be the biggest thing that they have that i know about and that's weird <laughs> that's uh that's a real weird headliner for e3 a, a competitive ship battling game mm. um a, a lot of people draw the comparisons between skull and bones and sea of thieves but yeah they aren't very similar in, in in gameplay sea of thieves is like an adventure game where you control a pirate and Skull and Bones is a game where you control a boat. Uh, you control a boat on the water fighting other boats. There are matches where, where you play against each other. Um, that, would be a, that would be a really weird feeling um, E3 presentation. Yeah. Maybe they have, they have something big. They used to have UB Arts that just pumped, up, pumped out these, these smaller games that they didn't have to like, think about too hard uh rayman origins was one of those um there was this war of mine i think was ub arts i think mm-hmm. um all all of those things uh made made for a a great micro studio within ubisoft's repertoire that they could just put things out from and now they don't have that now they don't i think they ended that program so i don't know what they do yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, they've got... Um, the only other game I can think of is actually one that's coming out in June anyway, which is The Crew 2. 
Um, aside from that, I yeah, I, I can't think of anything else that we know about that's kind of likely to be center stage. So, you know, unless they do show off a new Assassin's Creed or they or there's some other surprise that they're somehow keeping under wraps oh, successfully James. this time. Is it time for mm. Watch Dogs 3? Oh, that would be good. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, right? I, I, <laughs> it could be, yeah. That's the only thing I'm thinking of that, like, it would be time for that now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Well, thank you. Thank mm. you very much. Um, one <laughs> one uh, company that I forgot to write down in our show notes, so sorry for springing this on you, but Bethesda does have its own show. Um, Bethesda's weird. Bethesda, much like Ubisoft, I don't know what their headline is this year. Um, because it can't be Fallout and it can't be Elder Scrolls, probably. It might be Elder Scrolls, but like, not, it can't be Elder Scrolls. Um, Elder mm. Scrolls 6 still seems like it's a while away. Um, and all of their um, satellite developers, like id Software and Machine Games that work on their series like Prey and Doom and Wolfenstein um, mm. just put something out in 2017. And The Evil yeah. Within 2 uh, as well. Um, which leads me to believe that Starfield, which is that rumored sci-fi RPG from the Skyrim and Fallout team, will be making an appearance this year. What do you think about that? Have you heard that rumor? Oh, I... By the way, is that is that something you've heard before? The what the rumor that they would be that they would show something? No, the the Starfield. I'd heard about Starfield, um, but in terms of what they show, uh, I mean it's it's really hard to say because I can imagine. I, I don't think it's totally out of the question that they could talk about Elder Scrolls Six. Um, I, I would guess that that project's been in development for quite some time now yeah um I but think that's i mean it, look it's probably it wouldn't be at the stage where they can sort of say you know hey it's coming out at the end of 2018 um you know it's not going to be like a fallout 4 situation so um yeah i don't know what they'll do they they um they do have a habit of being able to surprise us with projects that are that have been under wraps for a long, long time that right, are really yeah. close to completion. So who knows? I mean, they, they might do that. Um, they definitely seem to be moving away from a situation where they reveal something and it's still years and years away, which is obviously why they haven't really talked about Elder Scrolls six yet. Yeah. Um, uh, Bethesda is, has been really good about just never, revealing anything too far away from the press conference in fact last uh press conference of theirs which is really like a nintendo direct kind of thing it was a video they did mm. um not only did it come out within a year it came out that year every yeah. single thing evil yeah. within two wolfenstein two uh the switch version of doom and um what was it Skyrim, obviously. So the the thing with Bethesda Softworks, the actual main Bethesda studio, is they do these big, big RPGs. Skyrim was in 2000... 
11, which is a long time ago, and that was the last Elder Scrolls game. Um, mm. And then Fallout 4 was in 2000... What was that? Was that 15 or 14? Yeah, One of those. I think whether it was... Yeah. Um, I think it was 15, maybe. So the Starfield rumor says, this is that team. So yeah. it would be time for their new thing. Mm. Um, if it's if it's Elder Scrolls, I, I guess that, that rumor isn't true. But I think it's either Elder Scrolls or Starfield. I That rumor is like good enough and reported by enough people that if it's not true, I would personally be very surprised. Uh, you listener at home, you can obviously make your own judgments about that kind of thing. Rumors are rumors, but um, this seems very safe. Um, I think it's mm. Starfield. And and here here's a, here's a bonus prediction. Here's a wacky prediction that almost won't, definitely won't come true, but you can have this one for free, James. They've been putting a lot of focus on making sure that they've been supporting the Switch. Um, mm. w- just a rapid-fire collection of, of Skyrim, Doom, Wolfenstein. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Fallout made it on the switch at some point i think it would be radical if they made this new big bethesda sized rpg you know in the same vein as uh, skyrim and fallout launch on the switch as well i think that would be a crazy crazy reveal for them um yeah that would that would uh that would tip the scales in Excitement for me, because that's how I like to play the longer games these days. I, I like to be able to mm. not be tethered to a TV. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be, well, be kind of cool. so much. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've had so much um, positive reaction from their Switch support. I feel like I feel like whatever they do on Switch just is like immediately a massive headline everywhere. It's been really positive press for them. So... And, and they seem to be um, they seem to be pretty successful on Switch as well, commercially. So um, it definitely like I would be surprised if whatever they're working on that's new doesn't see some sort of um, you know some sort of Switch version. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll happen with like a big Elder Scrolls, like a big new Elder Scrolls or something like that, um, but. They're definitely paying attention to Switch, um, and they seem to be kind of leading the way as far as big third-party studios on that platform. So, yeah, I'm, I would I would say between Ubisoft and Bethesda, those are currently the the really heavy hitters that um, yeah. put their big current stuff on the Switch as well. Yeah, um, especially with Skyrim was not published by Bethesda. Skyrim was published by Nintendo on the Switch. Uh, so mm. they, they've really cultivated a relationship there. Next is Sony. Sony has this little machine that you may have heard of called the PlayStation. Uh, Quattro, <laughs> I believe. And there, there's a few things coming out at the end of the year for Sony that they need to talk about now, which um, I, I, th- I think the biggest one is Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that game is going to be huge. Uh, Marvel is as big as it's ever been, with Infinity War being the highest-grossing movie of like all time. Um, and Spider-Man is in that, 
So that helps the game quite a bit. <laughs> that, yeah, th- that's and, exciting. That game looks good. Yeah, and I mean, it's made by an awesome, awesome developer who... Absolutely. I just feel like there are not that many developers who could get this kind of game right. And I think Insomniac are really likely to nail it. Um, they're, they're such an incredible studio. They're one of my favorite studios. And um, I, when I heard that they were making Spider-Man and then seeing the footage, um, I just thought that that's the perfect pick in terms of development studio. So, and I'm not really a big Spider-Man fan, um, but the minute that I saw Insomniac was behind it, I thought that's going to be a no-brainer purchase for me. So one game that's pretty interesting right now is Death Stranding. Um, mm. Death Stranding has a lot of hype behind it. It's Kojima's first big game post Metal Gear Solid, post uh, Konami. Yeah. And it's in this weird place where I'm trying to figure out if it's in one year or ten years. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell. Um, I don't even have a prediction for this one. I just feel like it's worth mentioning. If there's a big gameplay demo of Death Stranding, this E3 on stage, um, that's a really good sign. And if it was a normal game, that kind of progression would happen about now, uh, considering when it was first announced and the ramp up through the various cinematic trailers that it's had. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think? Do you think that could happen this year or do you think that's further out? I definitely don't oh, think it's, it's coming so, out this it, year. Yeah, it's definitely not coming out this year. It's it's really hard to say because what we've seen so far is so... Um, I feel like it's so unrepresentative of... It's likely to be so unrepresentative of what the actual gameplay is. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it obviously it takes time to make a beautiful trailer, but it takes a hell of a lot longer to make a game. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I just can't wait until we see some sort of gameplay because we don't even really know whether or not this game is going to be more, you know, is it going to have an action focus? Is it going to have a stealth focus? It is seems it going to stealthy, be... but I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really <laughs> hard to tell. And given Kojima's history and just the element of surprise that's likely to come out of this... Um, I feel like it could be anything like he could turn around and show um, like a kart racing game. I mean, who knows what <laughs> comes out of this? Oh man. So... <laughs> Imagine that game. Imagine death stranding <laughs> racing. Yeah, that's right. Death stranded in the pits. Um, <laughs> so I'm just kind of ready for anything. I'm, but I'm eager to see gameplay just to understand kind of how the pieces fit together and what they're going for yeah absolutely i need to find out what those oil shadow monsters are why you swallow babies (laughs) the whole nine yards i need every information every piece of information about this game that's offerable i would really prefer if it was at this e3 um just to at least get me thinking about what this game is because at a certain level if you keep it too abstract I just don't know enough to even start thinking about it. I, I think you need a little more information than they've given to start thinking mm. about what this game could be. Yeah, and I think what they're doing is, which is kind of interesting, 
they started um they started stringing us along stringing players along at a time when really Kojima had only just started this new studio like they would have they would still have been in the process of like tooling up and recruiting people and getting their office fit out you know what i mean like it was so early when they were talking about it so it's the sort of thing that they're gonna go through several years of of talking about this project as it unfolds and each time it's incredibly cryptic we get a tiny bit more but do we really (laughs) you know like (laughs) yeah every trailer is kind of you, you come out with more questions so it's it's interesting because the whole um process of revealing those trailers every year is itself a bit of a game i think that kojima is having with the fans which is not unheard of i mean it was something he did with pt as well um and he's done it to a degree with metal gear reveals over the years so it's it's very kojima the whole thing you know there is one ea thing i forgot that we maybe should mention um and that's anthem yeah i I was gonna come back to ea i I was thinking about that um right very keen to see what happens with anthem bioware's destiny-esque shooter cooperative online shooter thing um that could be cool that could be interesting i like destiny i like some of what bioware has done um it it's it it's bad news for bioware that they've gone down considerably in public opinion in the last five years but they have um and i don't know what that means for anthem they are still the studio that does a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. Um, it, it seems like a roll of the dice, honestly. It could be great. And that's all I yeah, have to say I, about that. <laughs> I'd be... I mean, look, who knows? It could turn out to be a steaming pile when it comes out. But I think um, the team behind it is, from my understanding, is sort of the, the key... Like the A-team? of bioware yeah like the a team in bioware so mass effect Um, andromeda was was not that then was not that okay no and um i believe and i'll probably get these details wrong but i believe the the andromeda team that's now sort of been shut down effectively i believe they're being merged in with the anthem team or they're they're not going to operate as a an independent team the way they were before so I don't know if that means they all just get merged in with the Anthem team or they're all kind of being split off onto different projects. You know, but that team as it was effectively no longer exists. Um, so, I mean, who knows? We've only seen the one trailer for this. It could turn out to be, uh, you know, not, not, what we, not what we expect, but it looks good. I think the concept is interesting. Um, is there a release window for thing- that? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Um, I was just having a look to see if I could find something, but I don't think so. Yeah, I'm looking up, um, looking it up right now, and I... Uh... Okay, so something says Q1 2019. Hmm. So that would make sense if it was at this year's E3 in a pretty prominent showcase. So maybe not Star Wars then. Maybe they don't do Star Wars this year to make room for Anthem. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we didn't get some good in-depth kind of gameplay stuff for Anthem this year. 
Um, and the other one that, again, who knows? I, I think we know that they're working on this, Bioware. Um, Dragon Age 4. We might get an announcement about that this year, hopefully. Okay. One more thing about Sony itself that I don't really think is going to happen, but I feel like I should bring up anyway. PlayStation mm. 5, is it time? It's time next year, right? I think it's time next year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say because there's a difference between like what I would like to see as a gamer and what I and what Sony maybe should do as a company, but I just feel like um, I, I, I don't think they will talk about it and I don't think they really should this year. I think they have plenty of other stuff to to focus on at the moment i could see them ending the show with some crappy like and we might be working on a hardware thing who knows like we know you are we know you're always doing it but... <laughs> yeah yeah and as long as it's not in the spider-man font then that's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a dedicated spider-man home console it yeah. only plays spider-man for ps4 it yep. still requires a ps4 um <laughs> So not not technically Sony, but they usually come out during Sony's press conference is Square Enix. Mm. We can see a lot from Square Enix this year. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is close. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's like actually close this time instead of the various times it's been close within the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and Final Fantasy 7 is not close, but it's been talked about long enough for me to assume there's got to be something going on there right like final fantasy 7 needs to at least come up this e3 doesn't it i think so i mean i'm i'm hoping that this year we don't just see it i'm hoping we start getting some more concrete details about the when and where and you know like because it's apparently supposed to be an episodic release which is right very interesting i'm not sure how that's going to work but it would be good to start understanding what the shape of that is you know, like how how big is each episode? When will the first one be released? Um, we know a little bit about the differences between the remake and the original in terms of gameplay, but it would be good to see a bit more detail about that. I would have assumed um, that the fact that it's episodic would have meant that it was easier to just put one of the episodes out. And so far that has not been the case. The yeah. Any benefit that they got from making it episodic seems to not be related to release window at all Mm. yeah which makes me wonder i don't know i'm always a little bit i tend to be a bit suspicious of episodic releases in games sometimes they work really well and sometimes they're just it's just the case where you think i'll just wait until all the episodes are out and i'll buy the collection yeah uh, and just have a full game it seems like telltale is really the only people that are familiar enough with that structure to not be suspicious about it. Um, Telltale seems yeah. to get it. Everyone else that's tried it, it either leads to financial ruin or critical ruin or just it doesn't come out. Yeah, and I think it's probably... I mean, this is an oversimplification, but it's probably harder to do an episodic release for something that is so much more technically complex than what telltale tend to make um you know something of this size and scope 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers that it's actually going to be good because they haven't really treated the Final Fantasy VII um, spin-offs with a lot of love, I don't think, over the years that they kind of experimented with them. Right. Um, so we'll see. But the other big thing that a lot of people are expecting to hear about is, speaking of Marvel, is the oh, yeah. Square Enix Avengers project. It might be time for that. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that that's, they're kind of expecting an announcement or a reveal this year. And apparently this Avengers project, whatever it turns out to be, is being developed by Crystal Dynamics, the who Tomb are Raider behind team, yeah. the Tomb Raider series. So that kind of like Insomniac and Spider-Man, that bodes pretty well, I think. It does, except for the fact that there is already a Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider game coming out this year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how yeah. big Crystal yeah. Dynamics is. Maybe it has multiple teams within it. Yeah. I, I hope it is the case, because otherwise that Avengers game is still a long ways away because Tomb Raider is still happening. Yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be great if they could line up the release of that game to the fourth Avengers movie, which is, I think, summer next year. Um. Mm. Because it is Square Enix, I'm sure it'll come out in five years. And when it does, there will be a different Avengers <laughs> movie that they can tie it in with. Um, <laughs> in general, though, I'm just... I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... Uh, I was thinking about this earlier this week. I'm, I'm a little wistful for the days where just every crappy movie had a game tie-in. And now it seems so rare. <laughs> And it, it seems yeah, rare enough yeah. that the only ones that happen are, like, really good, which I guess is good. Like, game tie- or movie tie-in games recently have always been surprising within the last couple years. I, I, I mm. think of the uh, the Mummy Revisited or the Mummy Remixed, what is it? The Mummy one. Yeah. That movie was bad. That game was great. They're, they're yeah. getting a surprising amount of love, movie tie-ins, uh, where in the past they used to just be just like you give it to the intern <laughs> he'll make something or not <laughs> and it'll yeah. just happen yeah and i feel like i don't know if, how true this is but i feel like um in the past they would just sort of you know they would license it almost to a contractor like they'd license the material and maybe their marketing team was aware of what the developers and were doing in terms of making sure it was on brand and everything, but it feels like that was the extent of the studio's actual involvement with the game. So it's kind of like someone's just out there in a warehouse making God knows what, as long as it kind of roughly looks like it matches the film, then fine. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's no, it's almost like, Oh, you know, it's just a video game. We don't really need to take it seriously. It's like, it's like people making, um, you know, key rings and and um, toys and, you know, it's just part of the merch. Yeah, and, and now Spider-Man is one of the most anticipated console-exclusive games of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's weird how that, uh, how that changes. Mm. Anyway, we got a little off topic. We have two more questions. Uh, publishers major publishers to get through before we end our pre-3 predictions first is microsoft crackdown 3 
seems like the headliner. It was supposed yeah. to come out as a launch title with the Xbox One X. It has been over a half a year since then. No word. I assume they're they're saving it for their big E3 blowout. This is the moment for Crackdown 3 to shine. Have you played the other Crackdown games? Um, I played the original one, the very first one. Um, and I my memory of it now is really vague except I think when I played it I I didn't really know what it was and I didn't really get it. Um, great <laughs> so whatever whatever i whatever i played of it was really brief um and since then i've really not been interested in crackdown at all i i am interested in crackdown 3 but it's one of those games where i'm interested in it in terms of what it's doing technologically right which is highly highly ambitious but and it kind of sounds cool, this idea of this, you know, massive kind of life-size city where everything is destructible. Um, it, it sounds incredible, but I, for me, it'll really come down to that moment-to-moment gameplay. Like, that sounds great technically, but is it fun? Right. After, after Sea of Thieves got lukewarm uh, critical reception and all of these other xbox exclusive titles either seem to be being uh they seem to be in a state of cancellation or just come out and are lackluster in other ways i feel like a lot is riding on crackdown 3 that it it doesn't really deserve the pressure of yeah yeah it like it it's a big headliner game at this uh press conference presumably and it's it's just it's just crackdown <laughs> it's just crackdown yeah. guys <laughs> yeah i mean like it, it, it could be pretty cool but like it's just crackdown yeah that's exactly how i feel it's like it's like a game of musical chairs and this is the last guy standing you know like he just happens to be in the room when no one else is around so he's it yeah it would um, be like if this year's <laughs> nintendo press conference was like this year we're, we're all about yoshi we're all about that felt Yoshi game. Like, okay, guys. I mean, it could be good, but it's Yoshi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, yeah, uh, mm, yeah. I'm always nervous for Microsoft. I, I always want them to do well. I'm in a constant state of just being nervous. They, they, they seem to have been doing better than I expected them. Uh, they would with both. Um, the Xbox One X and Sea of Thieves, so th- so that's great. I'm I'm happy for them. Um, speaking of Sea of Thieves, uh, there there's been some talk about Rare Properties making some sort of a return uh, at, at at this year's E3. Uh, the big one is Perfect Dark. Perfect mm. Dark could be coming back um, in in some form, thanks to Criterion, which is the sorry. Wait, Criterion. Gears of War? I think that's Gears of War. I should have done any Criterion. Any research oh. at all. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm probably going to just double down and make this even worse, but I thought Criterion were the studio behind the... Um... Oh, God. Oh, Forza Horizon? The... Was that Criterion? No, the, um, the racing games. Oh, God, what are they called? The Burnout Games? 
Oh, all right. Isn't that Criterion? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, well, the, the 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 rumor that's going around, Perfect Dark, whatever the studio behind Gears of War is, yeah, um, that's the rumor. That would be interesting. Um, Perfect Dark games are usually well. There's two of them in existence ever. Um, they are both in first person, not third person like Gears of War. So it would be a bit of a change up there. Um, and that would be that would be a pretty good get in terms of satisfying old rare fans uh perfect dark is a very well-liked game uh and perfect dark zero which is the last and second game in the series was not liked at all so having Mm. it not end on zero anymore would have a lot of people be pretty happy about that um that is still a rumor though and uh that wouldn't be made by rare itself because of the context of the rumor but also be because it really seems like Rare is all hands on deck on Sea of Thieves at the moment. I, I don't yeah. know if they could do anything else. But there's there's also yeah. been some talk about, I don't know, like a Battletoads thing. Eh, who knows? Um, who knows? Gears and Halo. Gears of War for the Perfect Dark thing. It doesn't seem like it's happening. Halo. Uh, what do you think about that? Is it time for a new Halo? Uh, well, oh, well, just quickly. Um, the Coalition. The is coalition the developer behind Gears of War. There you go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, this uh, Halo. Yeah, they <laughs> they might announce something about Halo. Um, is that where we are I, with Halo? <laughs> are we yeah, at that? Yeah, it's just they might. Who knows? Uh, uh, That's sad. Halo, Halo was huge. Halo was like, yeah, Halo was so massive and so important and. Um, I, I feel like, and I don't know if it was just a kind of direct line in the sand where this happened, but I feel like when Bungie moved off from Halo onto Destiny and 343 took over Halo, as great as a job as 343 did with Halo 4, I think they did an awesome job with that game, but I feel like Halo started to become a lot less interesting after Halo Reach. Um, I thought Halo 3 and Halo Reach were really, really great. They were like the epitome of what Bungie has done, even including everything they've done with Destiny. Um, So these days, I mean, Halo is still a big franchise, but not nearly what it once was. And Halo 5 really kind of landed with more of a whimper than a bang, I think. Like it was, it was a good game. Um, people enjoyed it, but it was a little bit confused. The the design, the whole right. cooperative thing. Um, I I played it and never finished it because I was too bored by it. And I've finished most of the other Halo games and really enjoyed them. So I, if they announce a Halo Six, um, unless they do something radically different with it. You know, like if they really kind of reinvent it and it and it's really, really impressive and it really takes advantage of the Xbox One X, um, then I'm I'm not all that interested. I feel like they have to do something big with Halo to, to make it interesting. Um, Open world? Is that... That seems to be yeah, the ticket for know. other franchises that are in the same situation as Halo, God of War and Zelda come to mind well halo is kind of 
Halo is one of those games that is in some ways kind of still very old school, I think, in, in a really good way, you know, like being kind of a narrative-driven first-person shooter experience. Um, so I'd like to see something that's very um, narrative-driven with the next Halo, but, you know, we'll see. I Frankly, I'm really hoping for Microsoft that they show us something new that's exclusive yeah that is coming out soon um that they've kept under wraps that is really compelling <laughs> which you know it's not exactly a a low bar to cross but i feel like they're in a position where anything less than that if if it's a very predictable show um you know they're just uh, they're not going to be able to hold the audience's attention for very long. Yeah, they gotta they gotta do something really surprising. They they need to either get like a completely new IP that has the same like what what they did for Sea of Thieves with all that marketing with all that push, but just again and a different thing. Or they need to yeah. bring back crazy old IP like Battletoads and just surprise everyone, um, or most of everyone. Uh, the last yeah. company is Nintendo. This is the one that we're obviously the most well-versed in. Smash Brothers is the focus. And yeah. I don't think there's going to be anything that rivals it, at least on the show floor. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are thinking Pokemon. What do you... What do you think? <laughs> uh, look, Pokemon is one of those things that um, every I think every single year um, people predict or hope for some sort of console Pokemon that is like a full, you know, a full Pokemon experience uh, and not not sort of a spin-off game. Um I have no idea. I think I, I kind of know what I would want to see in a Pokemon on Switch, but whether they'll do it and whether they'll announce it this year is seems fairly unlikely. Did you play Coliseum um, or XD? No. Yeah, those were the I, the GameCube. There were two um, console main series Pokemon RPGs. They were both on the GameCube. They were Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD. And uh, for various reasons, that didn't that didn't butter everyone's toast quite the way that <laughs> I'm sure the Pokemon Company w- would have liked. Um, within my age group, if I ask around, everyone seems to love them. It's one of those things. Um, but a, an age group of, above me, they weren't particularly fans of them. Uh, I, it it needs I... to be a lot fuller. It needs to be a lot... Yeah. Not even as full as a traditional pokemon um like 3ds game because those are much bigger than coliseum or xd way bigger than that like twice the size it really needs to be a big blowout and because there were there was just the the new like the the regular new pokemon game sun and moon that was two years ago and then they did a remake of it uh last year which might not have taken that much effort I still think it's too soon. Yeah, I tend to agree. And and even those games you mentioned on GameCube, um, I guess what I think of with with a Pokemon 
game for Switch is is exactly like what you're saying there, like something that is, you know, that is almost. I hate to use the term open world again, but you know, well, Pokemon something is something that is. Gen- some Pokemon it, games are actually open world. It started open world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, and and I think something like that with a very very large scale in 3d and maybe with kind of a this is totally idealized situation but maybe a kind of a seamless online cooperative aspect um almost like an online rpg um something like that in my mind would be really cool but i've i'm i'm probably as well not the best person to um you know, to make those requests because I haven't really played a Pokemon game in a long time. Mm. Um, I just, I just know, I think about like, what would it take for me to play another Pokemon game now, especially on switch. And if they turned around and announced this big kind of open world Pokemon RPG, um, with, with online co-op and that sort of thing, I'd definitely be down for that. I'd be playing that. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's weird that people are really revving up for a Pokemon announcement at the C three because they've never done it. They've never ever yeah. ever announced a game at D three. Um, yeah, they are not Nintendo. They are just partnered with Nintendo on the Pokemon series, and despite Nintendo loving E three, Game Freak and the Pokemon Company usually have their own thing in the last few uh generations they've had specific pokemon directs to announce pokemon games um outside of e3 it should have already happened if it was this year and yet people are still really pushing for it they're really thinking it's this year um no (laughs) there are some things that (laughs) that i'm pretty sure are this year though um that Fire Emblem Switch game, that's going to happen. That's going to be this year. Um, mm. That Yoshi game that we've seen all of, that's finally going to get a name other than Yoshi. Uh, and that's mm. that will come out this year, probably. Yeah. Think any yeah, other I big things? Any, right. any surprises from Nintendo? I, I don't know. Because I think in some ways, Nintendo are a bit similar to Bethesda, especially these days, where they... Um, with some rare exceptions, they will usually announce something and it will be in a state where it's sort of not too far away. So quite often by the time you get to E3, you know, you've already got an idea about what's coming due to the previous Nintendo Directs. Um, but Nintendo can always have that wildcard element, I think. Um, They can always be in a situation where, you know, they're doing their, they're doing their uh, video stream and something randomly comes up that no one had any idea about. And, you know, it's completely shocking. Um, I'm hoping we get something like that because I'm not the world's biggest Smash fan, um, even though I'm curious to see what they do with Smash. Um, Yeah. I'm hoping there's something else significant that they announce or tease. But who knows? Um, it could be time for Bayonetta three. Potentially. Mm, yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, yep. that might be a little later. It, I, I, I do expect to see like a trailer for it, even if it's not soon. Um, yeah. 
and along those same lines, I do expect to see a trailer for Prime 4, even though it's not soon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm, I'm hoping we hear more about that, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I have a bet going on with some friends whether the Pokemon Switch game or Metroid Prime 4 will come out first. <laughs> I'm on the side that thinks Prime 4 will come out first. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Yeah, that's a... Uh, the yeah. rumor is that it's Namco, and they they seem to be fast. They, they're pretty... They've got their nose to the grindstone on things. Uh, where, where the Pokemon company, uh, Game Freak... They, I mean, they're also very fast. They've, they're pretty much annual. So who knows? It, it could actually go either way. Yeah. Uh, anything else for Nintendo? I would like to see something I just really, really don't expect. Yeah. And this doesn't feel like one of those years. I don't know. I feel like I'm ever, I'm going to see everything coming from a little while away. Um, especially because they've already mm. confirmed that it's mostly going to be Switch games at this thing. 3DS games have a bigger potential to surprise me, I've found. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like um, because of the way they do Nintendo Directs through the year now... They don't, E3 doesn't really seem to be the point in the year anymore where they do the big surprise announcements. It's more of a situation where they'll announce something in a direct and then E3 is the point in time where they really go in depth with that thing just before it gets released, which I think makes a lot of sense because E3 is also the time where, you know, we'll have the opportunity to play those games as well. Um... And usually to play the same content that the Nintendo Treehouse are demoing. So that cycle kind of makes sense to me. And it makes me think that we're more likely to get surprises in Nintendo Directs after E3 rather than during E3. Counterpoint. Last E3 had Mario plus Rabbids, which was supposed to be a surprise. Yeah. Metroid Prime 4, the announcement. A Pokemon Switch game, the announcement kirby and yoshi all of which if they didn't leak earlier are pretty surprising like they they were not something i I could have just seen coming um yeah yeah that's true i guess it depends how much of that um how much of their content at this year's e3 will include those games right you know what i mean like in terms of will they show footage of metroid will they presumably yoshi will be playable i'm guessing and we'll probably get some sort of in-depth treehouse demo of it as well right um, um they, they, they seem to but, really yeah. like these days especially um starting with breath of the wild they make their whole booth focused around one game and then uh starting last year with mario odyssey they'll just have little satellite games around their booth yeah this time it will be smash there will just be a ton of smash setups around the whole booth and then you know if if they have some room for yoshi it'll be that there in the corner if they had some room for like the port of captain toad they announced or Mm. a port of or sequel to mario maker or something like that yep well that's the pre-3 predictions thank you very much for joining us on our future telling journey 
this is the closing of the show, as you can tell by my new voice. <laughs> uh, if you want to write into the show and have your uh, have your comments or questions read aloud here at this point in the show, you can do that by sending something to podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Um, if you haven't listened in a in a long time, you might remember us at a different email address. Don't bother with that old one. The new one that we use is podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Now it's time for some after-school activities. My after-school activity which is the thing that we recommend listeners do in between Super Jump podcast episodes because we only do them every two weeks usually, and this time it was three weeks, um, but hopefully next time it will only be two weeks. Uh, my thing is go watch a YouTube video on Project M tier lists. Now, James, I know you don't really care about Smash Brothers at all, so this might be a tough sell, but I still think this is really interesting. <laughs> Uh, Project yeah. M was a was a mod for Super Smash Brothers Brawl that that made it more um, close to what the tournament players were expecting out of it. And this video by Project M Nexus on the Project M tier lists is is great. It it just talks about how the people that decide what the tier list is because you always hear about tier lists in fighting games, but someone made that. Um, it, this mm. video is about how they determined, based on tournament rankings on, and theory crafting of what a character can do in a game, stuff like that, uh, how they actually constructed that tier list and how they decided, well, Meta Knight's the best right now, but Wolf's really good too, and Diddy Kong's really good too, and uh, Fox and Falco are up there, and, and it, they, they, they made it sound way more interesting than that thing I just did, just detailing all of the, of the characters that there are in the game. Uh, yeah, so check that out. That's by Project M Nexus, N-E-X-U-S. Cool. James, what is your after-school activity? So a few episodes ago, I mentioned a YouTuber who is not in a Christian rock band called Metal Jesus Rocks. <laughs> right. And uh, he put up a video recently called Nintendo Switch Hidden Gems. Um, he tends to do videos of different platforms. Usually they're kind of older ones um, where he just sort of talks about, you know, games you might have missed. So games that are really, really great, but for one reason or another, they kind of didn't surface to the top. You know, they didn't become really popular. And the Switch Hidden Gems video is great because one thing I'm finding over time that's tricky about the Switch is the eShop is not great for discoverability right. of games. Um, as it's getting more and more full and there are games being released every week, it's getting really, really hard to actually find stuff that you might be interested in, you know, to get recommendations, that sort of thing. So in this video, he's listed nine games. Um, there are a couple here that I'm actually interested in checking out as well. Uh, there's one called Kona, which looks pretty interesting. It's like a kind of murder mystery, first person murder mystery walking simulator-esque game. Um, and there's a overhead shooter called Skyforce Reloaded that looks pretty cool as well. Um, but there's nine games in the list. They definitely won't all be for everyone, but they're those kind of games that just get 
um, you know, that you, you have probably glossed over. Cool. Um, when you've been browsing the eShop. I'll have to check that out. I'm, I'm looking for some cheaper, uh, smaller Switch games. Um, just yeah. a few announcements. Our, E3, our E3 pass was approved. We will be going to the press conferences and the show floor this E3. Super Jump will be there for you. If you have any specific parts of E3 that you want to check out or have us check out uh, for you vicariously, you can send that into the show at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com and we will uh, tailor our E3 coverage to you. I will go to the place you want me to and check out the game you want me to. Um, also, we'll be in uh, increasing the delivery of podcasts through E3 week. We'll try to do one. I'm, I'm tentatively calling it June Jump and we're going to do it every day of that week. So that's pretty big. Um, our theme song is Battle Against a Clueless Foe by Shane Meza. It's off of his Mother 4 soundtrack. Please remember to, uh, to subscribe, review us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, wherever you find us, and tell a friend. We don't pay for advertising uh, for this show specifically, um, at least not that much. Uh, so word <laughs> of mouth is, is really one of the best ways we can grow. So if you like us, please, please, please help us out in that way. And until next time, stay super.